0: looking out a dirty old window outside the cars in the city go rushing by i sit here alone and i wonder why
1: This is Minute 89 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I'm Shannon Camp, your host, and with me today I have Katherine Kogert. Hello. And Christy Admiral. Hey there. Today's minute begins with Josh and the douchebag lawyer arguing with each other, and it ends with uh, Josh and Cher sitting on the stairs and talking about exactly why or why not josh is hanging around the horowitz house so much Mm -hmm. so uh we had plenty to say about the douchebag lawyer last time that's for sure just the worst uh well he's off to a he's off to a great start at the top of the (laughs) minute josh is like what the hell are you talking about because of course this is coming on the heels of the lawyer uh saying to them that she was a dumb kid or something to that effect uh, and the lawyer says, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Josh, this is a multi-million dollar lawsuit, not some excuse for puppy love. Uh, and then comes an Actually, amazing burn from the lawyer that I would love to have a chance to drop into a conversation someday. (laughs) Josh says, Look, we've been working our butts off on this case. And he says it super sincerely, even in the most Paul Rudd way. (laughs) And the lawyer says, Well, tell you what, you do whatever you want with your butts. I'm calling him sick. And so, which is, (laughs) I gotta say, credit where credit is due, he really like stuck the landing.
2: (laughs) He really did. I do wanna I just wanna oh. point out that I think it's so weird that, that say butts when they could have gone stronger than that, right? This is a PG thirteen movie. That's all that has blown my mind since the first time I saw it when I was a child.
1: Is it a PG thirteen
0: movie?
2: Yeah, yeah, it I feels believe so.
0: like a super gentle PG. Very gentle, yeah. Which is PG four uh, I thought... References to drugs and sexual content. I guess they references to, to sexual smoke content? weed. Yeah. Oh yeah, they maybe s- it's PG thirteen for that. Yeah, they
1: smoke weed. It is. I guess PG-13. it has to because of the references to sex. Yeah, and they talk about sex oh, a lot. It's still, it's like the lightest PG thirteen ever. I'm sure my parents got this movie for me when I was like nine. No, that but exactly. It is. Maybe a- that's on them. I don't know, but. It's an incredibly gentle movie. Like, it doesn't have a villain, unless you consider Amber the villain. And she kind of is, oh, but well in
2: a could. beautiful way.
1: But she's so ineffectual. She doesn't do one thing that sets Ch- that sets Cher off her trajectory. Besides, I guess, getting together with Elton when Cher had planned on setting up Elton and Ty. But I feel like even without Amber, Ty and Elton was not going to happen.
2: No, that was going to implode no matter what.
1: You
2: know... Oh, Totally.
0: I
1: mean, he was this he was a snob, just like Cher says, which actually hilariously enough is almost word for word. The line from Emma, Emma and Elton, which is his name in the book, are in a carriage. And she's like, you're a snob. So I always (laughs) crack up when I see them in the car instead of a horse drawn carriage. Like that's how literal a translation this movie is of the book. Um, And I got to say, in connection with that, a lot of the novel, Emma, is George Knightley kind of chiding Emma and telling her off and teasing her and trying to get her to improve herself, which is obviously something we see in the movie as well with Josh, you know, um, kind of tearing down shares, more materialistic and shallow habits. Yeah. But I do think it's important that we're having this scene now where he defends her and defends her intellect and, you know, proves that he really does think highly of her and think that she's smart because otherwise it would be way harder to root for the two of them getting together. Well, that's true. If that's it true. didn't seem like uh, he respected her.
0: You know, I, I feel like a key part of the, the share Paul Rudd dynamic is the fact that like share gives as good as she gets. So I'm curious true. in Emma, does Emma tear down George Knightley?
1: Uh, she teases him, but she's way less stern with him than he is with her, I would say. It's probably the biggest difference. He's also – there's a more significant age difference in the novel because, you know, it was olden times. Ooh. So that – not like <laughs> – not more than like six or seven years, maybe maybe ten at the absolute most. But that definitely adds the dynamic of like – the older mentor type figure and then the youthful person who's always teasing, which you have to a certain extent in Clueless, but not nearly to the same degree. But I wasn't going to talk about it till next episode, but since we're already on the topic, I think it's worth getting into. A very key difference, maybe one of the biggest differences between Emma and Clueless that really is kind of a sticking point for people here uh, is that in Emma, the novel – George Knightley, who's, you know, um, analogous to Josh, is Emma's sister's brother-in-law. Emma has a sister, Isabella, and she's married to John Knightley, and George Knightley is Emma's love interest, so he's her sister's brother-in-law, whereas in Clueless, he's her former stepbrother, which I know a lot of people really take issue with, the fact that they have... A romantic connection. I, I just never have personally had a problem with that because I think it's very clear that they never really considered themselves brother and sister based on the way Cher talks about him at the beginning of the movie also, yeah. but yeah, that's just right. my two cents. I can understand. I guess I can understand why people feel the other way.
0: Oh, I was just going to ask, how long do you think that, or is it ever stated in the movie? How long Josh's mom and Share's dad were married. It seems like it must've been a brief amount of time. And it seems like when they were,
1: it was when they were teenagers. Yeah. It was a slash. It, it was, was a while mo- ago. Like, not that long ago Yeah or long ago, but it was, they never, they didn't like grow up together. I think that's very clear. Like, yeah, Uh, Cher, at the beginning of the movie, seems confused as to why he's even being invited over. And Mel has to remind her, you divorce wives, you don't divorce children. But it's not like Josh is calling Mel dad and he doesn't consider him his dad. I think that no, that's yeah, Oh, no, not at clear. all. He's more
2: of his boss, if anything. It's like an apprenticeship situation. Right. Oh, yeah, because he wants you yeah, all into definitely. environmental That's the vibe all. I got,
0: for sure. Paul Rudd is so Seattle in this movie, guys.
2: Yeah, he is. It's, he's it's pretty so aggressively Seattle. He is.
0: He's like... <laughs>
1: Like seattle pretty too like i was uh you know re-watching uh hbo's kurt cobain documentary which i know is not seattle but it's all the pacific northwest to a you know midwesterner like me and so many beautiful boys mm-hmm. not to sound creepy but just mm-hmm. pretty in the face paul Rudd just has a beautiful little doll's face <laughs> I sound like a serial killer but I mean it sincerely. I was thinking about it in the close-ups. He really just has the prettiest green eyes. He does. That's just a just a strong jawline. Yes, and that cute just
2: adorable chin. Like the close-ups of him are oh, consistently are, yeah. framed very well and basically romantic hero shots which is All I ask for out of this movie.
1: Honestly, the stuff between uh, them on the stairs, which we're about to get to, is almost like an old Hollywood set piece. Because you have the big, glamorous stairs, and you have these close-ups on these two extremely conventionally attractive people, (laughs) you know? And, like, everything about it, the way it's shot, the way it's lit, it really... It does seem like Cher finally found the perfect lighting scenario for a date. Oh, yeah. Great lighting design. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I love some good lighting design. You know, I got to point it out when it's good for the sake of the artist. So getting back to the minute, after the lawyer leaves, Josh slams the door behind him. And then Josh turns around to see that Cher is sitting on the landing in the middle of these gorgeous stairs her house is pretty you know bougie with the columns and stuff <laughs> uh and the shares uh, the shares wow the stairs are kind <laughs> of the perfect example of that because they're really pretty and kind of tacky at the same time
2: that's right, yeah. accurate kind of
1: elegant kind of like the painting of her mom which is beautiful tacky I and love elegant I the same
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really uh, it really takes me back to like act one of the movie where she's like isn't my house classic yeah those are from the 1970s
1: <laughs> yeah it totally calls to that the set i mean hey great lighting design great set design while we're at it i do love the details i talked about it a lot more with the costumes but the details and the artistry that so clearly went into this film like it seems like they really left no stone unturned which i appreciate because otherwise it'd be really hard to do a minute by minute podcast <laughs> about it among other things <laughs> So Cher's sitting in the middle of these stairs wearing her Easter colored pants, <laughs> uh, and Cher says, "Did I really? Did I really ruin Daddy's lawsuit?" Oh, that live delivery is so gives tragic. And looks like, "Oh, you're so f- cute," and he says, "No," and it's very sweet. He like seems like uh, disgusted that she should even have to feel concerned about this. It's very charming. Charm so seems caring. to be the name of the game with this one.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, had he had any major film roles before this one? I feel like he just exploded onto the scene. He hasn't done game.
2: anything outstanding before this, I don't think.
1: I mean, I'm not much of a film buff, quote unquote, but I can't think of anything particular. Hmm.
0: I don't know at all. Uh, you Let's know, just it was say odd. a star is born. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say... <laughs> that's all we have
1: to say but what's the fun in that
0: it was odd watching this like so far after it came out because like we mentioned the last episode i just saw it for the first time like eight months ago and like knowing paul rudd from like his comedy career and like wet hot american summer and that's trying to take him seriously as a romantic lead there was kind of a barrier for me there i'll be honest (laughs) i totally
1: understand that i had an I had an opposite problem. When I saw him as Andy in What Had American Summer years after watching Clueless, I was like, I mean, I already knew that he was very funny, but to see him as such a repellent douchebag in those tiny short denim shorts (laughs) was like very jarring. (laughs) Kind of like now when you watch Bradley Cooper in it, you're like, what the f***? (laughs)
0: That's real weird. I I will say. I know I've always
1: felt that Bradley Cooper has serial killer eyes. And I've actually been recorded saying this on other podcasts, I believe. I'll say it again. (laughs) Bradley Cooper has serial killer eyes. I did not
2: watch Wet Hot American Summer until immediately before the Netflix series came out, and I did not realize Bradley Cooper was in it, and it blew my mind.
1: (gasps) Oh my gosh, you lucky duck. You were truly living La Vida.
2: It is crazy, though, right? (laughs) Oh, it is, and I will say that Michael Ian Black and Bradley Cooper are by far my favorite part of that movie. Like, by such a long shot. They're so great.
1: too off track i'd like to circle it back around uh since we're on the topic of what Paul Rudd films have you seen have either of you seen any other alicia silverstone films much more elusive batman and robin i have not seen that one although i was just watching whatever one the riddler is in oh uh, that
2: is batman forever Batman Forever. Batman okay, Forever. I would watch Batman Forever. Batman Forever is maybe a slightly better movie than Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is a festering pile of wow. Garbage. Then Batman
1: and Robin must be <laughs> yes. I would about to say if it's better than Batman Forever. It must be truly dreadful. It is
2: heinous. It is just a crime against filmmaking, and I do not recommend watching it because it's not. Good bad. It is bad bad.
1: But how does Alicia fare in it?
2: Uh, she has kind of a weird relationship with both Chris O'Donnell's Robin and... I cannot recall who plays Alfred off the top of my head, but she... There's a strange... What? <laughs> what?
1: I thought you were going to say Batman, not <laughs> Alfred. That's
2: She has a weird oh, dynamic with Alfred where she's maybe his he's maybe her uncle or her grandpa or something it's very <gasps> strained oh, and very bad and okay. jim gordon is in the movie Yikes. but they are not related as i recall that
0: doesn't and, make
1: sense you already have that look, story there. guys it's and, not and, canon and, and you said
2: this is a bad bad movie <laughs> it's not canon and it's very so, bad all i talked about it with my husband when we were watching it is how bad we felt for the production designer who imagined the strange macabre Andrew Lloyd Webber world and had to have that movie take place. In oh,
0: that is heartbreaking. Do you remember a movie, a little
2: movie
1: called <laughs> Clueless? I'm not sure I do anymore, but we'll find our way back there. So Josh sort of puts Cher's fears about having damaged her father's case to rest. I, I do think that Cher is... Being completely sincere in her concern over having hurt the case. It seems like she really cares about it and seems like her relationship with her dad is better than ever, perhaps. They're finally kind of talking about things. He mentioned her mother in one of their early previous conversations, which seems like a rare occasion based on the way it was delivered. So Josh just sort of is like being all like, Oh, protective. Can you imagine the nerve of that guy? I mean, making you worry like that when he's the one who screwed up, then he goes and blames us. And then things take a turn because Josh sort of <laughs> gently tiptoes up to the elephant in the room and sort of pokes at it in that way that people do when they're confessing, but not really confessing. He's like, huh. Imagine saying we were, you know, being like, oh, yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? You and me flirting with each other. Who could even think of such a thing? Or could they? (laughs) And Cher basically doesn't take the bait. She says, that's right. You've been very dedicated to this case. And that's the end of the minute. So... (laughs) interesting move Cher (laughs) yeah she basically he was trying to like open up a little avenue and she just sort of sidestepped it which I respect more so under other circumstances not the circumstance of I'm extremely in love with this dude which she obviously is
2: and they're sitting together on a staircase
1: very romantic to do that she's playing it cool maybe yeah she's she's making him work for it yeah oh we'll get there We'll get there. Everybody break out their hand fans and their smelling salts. We'll get there in due time. (laughs) Lordy, lordy. But this is another minute that's basically just leading up to what arguably the whole film has been leading up to, which is the two of them getting together. Although some people classify clueless as a romantic comedy, I don't feel that Cher and Josh's relationship is the element that's most pivotal to the story.
0: I think it's more no, about shares as, the, as an individual. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: I was going to, you know, earlier we were talking about like, why would this film be called PG-13? And I'm I'm a little bit concerned that it's PG-13 because of frank feminist themes. Ha, <laughs> huh, maybe. Any, that's, that's like not even an exaggeration
1: though, because of course in recent years, there's been the whole controversy over films where a man is shown performing cunnilingus on a woman that um it'll be rated nc-17 whereas there, are like every pg-13 movie it's true oh yeah that's i had never even thought it's about that it's a huge that, that's double super... standard that's insane actually uh woke bay ryan gosling spoke out about it because <laughs> blue valentine was initially rated <laughs> nc-17 and he was like it's insane that they're doing this but it's there really is a huge double standard there it exists for the tv standards board too is there anything else from this minute that really stands out that we need to touch on seems like we've pretty much wrapped it up then
2: i don't think so this is a lead-up yeah
1: as we've been saying it's a lead-up minute and on that note we will be seeing you tomorrow for another episode of as if the clueless podcast
0: but in the meantime, let's do some plugs. Let's start with Catherine. Hey, okay. So you can follow me on Twitter at Catherine Isabel. And uh, you can also listen to me on my podcast with my co host, it's Encyclopedia Brunch, where we talk about kind of like make the world's least focused white papers. So yeah, check us out. I'm intrigued.
1: Uh, and Christy, do you have anything you'd like to plug?
2: Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter for updates on anything I've written lately or how many dogs I get to pet on a particular day at Admiral Christie,
1: You're living your best life, and I love it. (laughs) As for me, uh, you can keep up with all my various acting and writing and podcasting endeavors on my website, shannon-camp.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, like I said, we'll be yeah, back thank next you time with another minute of the Clueless Podcast. And thanks to Christy and Catherine for being my esteemed guests. My pleasure.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us.
1: All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.